0: Hello, welcome to episode number 18 of Making Media Now, the Filmmakers Collaborative podcast. I'm your host, Michael Azevedo. This episode serves as a coming attraction of sorts. I'll be speaking with Lila Meadow-Connor, the executive director of the Film Festival Alliance. Lila will be the featured guest at Filmmakers Collaborative March 17th lunchtime webinar. I'll have more to say about that in just a minute. The Film Festival Alliance is an organization that creates a collaborative global community for mission-driven film festivals, while advocating for a sustainable and inclusive environment for the filmmaking industry. Leela has served as its executive director since 2017 and has more than 20 years' experience in the filmmaking industry as a producer and a festival organizer. She possesses a deep understanding of how cinematic arts organizations can bolster a community with an emphasis on arts advocacy, collaboration, and independent storytelling. So settle in to listen to our chat, and then head on over to FilmmakersCollab.org to reserve your tickets for the March 17th, 12 p.m. Eastern webinar. This event is open to members and non-members alike, so bring your questions to find out what the virtual world means for film festivals. Find out how to select the best ones for your film and what to expect once accepted and more. This is going to be a round table discussion with plenty of time for questions and answers. And now onto my chat with Leela Meadow-Connor. Okay, hello and welcome to Leela Meadow-Connor the executive director of the film festival Alliance and also the CEO and founder of mama film. Lila, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Where am I speaking to you? Let me, let me. Where are you speaking to me from? I know where I'm I am.
1: Speaking to you from my living room in Wichita, Kansas. I'm actually a, a Boston native. Moved to LA after I graduated, graduated from high school, and um, by a set of very strange circumstances, found myself running a film festival in Kansas. Um, and
0: so I'm thinking you couldn't you couldn't decide on a coast, so you decided you're just going to go right in the middle.
1: That's pretty much it. I've been trying to get my way back to the East Coast, but um, (laughs) my husband is from Colorado and he he doesn't like the East
0: Coast. So we're like, all right, we're here for now. I guess you're right there for now. You're a very busy woman. I'm really interested in finding out uh, about Mama Film and also how the Film Festival Alliance works. Uh, your, uh, your appointment to executive director of Film Festival Alliance, that's relatively new, isn't it? Uh,
1: I've been in this role for coming up on four years. In
0: oh, okay. That, so um, isn't that new.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it depends. Um, in the nonprofit world, uh, four years does not seem like very long. When you know, often executive directors are in those roles for decades. Um, right. But our our organization is fairly young; it's it's about ten years old. Um, we realized that we missed celebrating our tenth anniversary last year uh, because of all the work we were doing with the pandemic and supporting our members. Um, so you know, we'll we'll try to figure out a way to.
0: make... You'll have to do a ten plus one this year. Exactly. So Leela, what in a nutshell is the mission and mandate of the Film Festival Alliance?
1: Uh, The Film Festival Alliance is a nonprofit organization that provides support, um, mostly in the form of professional development and networking for um, mission-aligned film festivals across the country. Um, Most of our festivals are in North America, um, and most of our members are organizations ranging from the Sundance Institute to a small festival that maybe is just starting. And we do that through um, conferences and um, when we were in person through regional gatherings and things like that, but uh, like most people or organizations, a lot of our um, programming has shifted to virtual programming, um, to a virtual format, which has really actually allowed us to bring in new members and make new partnerships. So we are here and we exist to support
0: those film festivals. And can you give me an example or maybe a definition around a uh, mission-driven driv- or mission-aligned film festival?
1: Sure. Um, I would say that, you know, for, for example, 99% of our festivals are nonprofit. So when we're looking at, you know, talking about mission-aligned, we're talking about nonprofit organizations. Um, IFF Boston is a great example of one of our members um, who, you know, is really uh, out there supporting independent filmmakers and, um, you know, doing good work in the field of uh of independent film exhibition.
0: So you're providing the venue uh and the platform for these filmmakers and and the, the there's a thematic alignment around the films that are going to be presented at a particular festival is that correct?
1: No. Um for FFA we are we we are not we are just like a an organization that provides support okay. to People who run film festivals. So, you know, we have different programs that we run, um, and, and and different information that we provide about best practices for how film festivals are run. Each individual festival is it has their own programming mandates and does things their own way. Um, but we are here to support
0: their um, their operations, essentially. Got it. And in your four years with the organization, tell me about what you've seen in terms of membership growth and in terms of hearing about what filmmakers are looking for and extracting the most value from.
1: Oof. Yeah, well, things obviously have changed a lot in the last year. Um, right. But when I came onto the org, In 2017, uh, it was still relatively small. I'd say we had about 100 members. Now we're about 250 members. And we were sort of still getting our feet together as an organization. The the founders of the, original founders of the organization really wanted it to be sort of a best practice driven organization. Um, And it's really hard to do that with film festivals. So we obviously have a set of values, you know, that we expect that our members will, um, will adhere to. But at the same time, we can't say you have to do things this way and this way because every festival is so circumstantial, you know, Some festivals have zero full-time staff. Um, and they're all volunteer and they don't have any money. And some festivals, you know, have millions of dollars. So it's really hard to say like, this is the way it has to be done. But we think that, you know, our role is to come up with best practices and values that are, that are, you know, are centered in equity and humane resources and, and diversity. So things have changed a lot. And and in the last year, again, you know, with the dawn of the virtual film festival, which, you know, we now know from most of our uh, members is not going to go way. Uh virtual film festival will always be part of a film festival going forward, whether or not it's physical or not. Um, so that's a big change in our industry. I can say that you know, 2021, 2020 was a very, very fundamental year for film festivals in, in the way that they're operating and they're going forward.
0: So prior to the onset of COVID making virtual film festivals a necessity, was that an offering of the film festivals that the uh, Film Festival Alliance participated in?
1: That is a great question because there was also a lot of controversy over whether virtual film festivals were a real thing. And, you know, (laughs) Film Film Freeway has some policies about virtual film festivals. Um, So obviously that has all shifted. And um, that's been a really interesting conversation because virtual film festivals are now The norm, right?
0: How did the virtual experience work in in terms of connecting filmmakers with distributors in your experience in uh, 2020?
1: Well, it really depends on the festival. I think the festivals that had distributor, like, had industry um, attendance already, you know, there were some great examples of, like, you know, breakout rooms and, and having green rooms and having specific one on one, like, um, engagement between festivals and filmmakers and, in some ways, or distributors. And in some ways, I saw more of that being able to happen because festivals were able to reach out to a distributor and say hey would you be part of of our festival Um, where in the past that would just not have been maybe like financially an option to fly somebody in and put them up and do all of that so there were a lot more opportunities garnered. I think, you know, it all remains to be seen where distributors lie in all of this. We've heard from filmmakers, we've heard from festivals, we've heard from cinemas, but one group we have not heard a lot from is distributors. So it's really hard to know what their plans are going forward.
0: And what does the rest of 2021 and maybe going into 2022 look like on the festival circuit from your perspective?
1: We are seeing like spring festivals are all virtual. I mean, some of them are doing like outdoor screenings or um, where they can in the environments that they can. Um, Some of them are doing drive-ins, like open air cinemas. We're seeing that some of the fall festivals are looking at hybrids as an option mm-hmm. you know the idea that or the notion that like most people most adults will be able to get the vaccine by the end of may that's very encouraging also we just don't know what's going to happen so i'm seeing a lot of contingency plans i'm seeing a lot of plan a's and plan b's um where plan a is a hybrid and plan b is a virtual uh
0: have you had much feedback from filmmakers around maybe how their expectations are around who their audience was in a virtual world versus an in-person world and what the, uh, you know, what some of the surprises might've been both pro and con.
1: We've heard some from filmmakers and we worked with, um, IFP now the Gotham to do a filmmaker survey. And, you know, there, it's sort of a mixed response. You know, there was, there were some festivals that garnered totally new audiences. Um, you know, in the beginning of all this, a lot of the festivals were geo-blocking, their, uh, content to their region or their state. And as that sort of went on, you know, you're seeing, we're seeing less and less of that and more like a ticket cap rather than like a limiting where your geographical audience is. So, um, you know, I think that we saw a lot of different, we heard a lot of different things and it's a little bit too early to maybe say one way or another, Mm -hmm. but I think overall filmmakers, you know, there were some filmmakers who really loved the the virtual experience because they could they could go to so many festivals and they could be part of it. Um, And they didn't have to fly and they didn't have to, you know, spend money on things like that. But for some filmmakers, that's part of the festival circuit. Of course. Right. That's why you do it is to have that experience. I think that one thing that festivals did really well in 2020 was adapting to really quickly taking their programming online that was the focus versus like the filmmaker engagement, the audience engagement pieces that go with a festival. I think now going into 2021, we'll see more of that audience engagement and like, you know, ways that filmmakers can network and audiences can network and filmmakers can, can connect with audiences being a bigger part of these virtual events.
0: Excellent. Tell me about your work with, uh, mama film, uh, for whom you are the CEO and the founder Yes. The mother founder, as I call myself. Um, Would seem appropriate uh, given the name. Yes. (laughs) Mama
1: Film is a nonprofit that I started in um, 2019, just as kind of as a whim. Um, I have worked in this film festival industry for 17, 18 years. And um, here in Wichita, we don't have an art house cinema. And so a friend of mine uh, had opened up a, a open-air mall that was built out of shipping containers and um, I saw that he had an empty one and I said have you ever thought about putting a pop-up micro cinema in there and he was like great let's do it and I'm like oh okay like I just like come up with the concept of mama film which was to showcase films like and media through like a maternal gaze you know and about nurturing and about parenting and about like things and, and creating conversations around that uh, sure. about our shared humanity um but pretty quickly you know my my goal was in the six months I was going to be in there was to show two films a month, but pretty quickly it was like, oh, we have an art house cinema now, so we can start showing you know more indie films so we did a lot of that um in that location, and then in twenty nineteen moved to a new location um but the or in twenty twenty but then of course had to shut down uh, a month later or so sort of, you know, we started out with doing some virtual cinema, but which was kind of novel in the beginning of 2020. But then as, you know, 2020 went on and now we're in 2021 and we're seeing all these streamers and, you know, subscription, um, Channels that we all have, and there's so much content out there, you know. So much, like, yeah. Thinking about like how can we, how else can we like channel our efforts? So we started uh, doing some more um, content production uh, th- that was mission aligned. So that was exciting.
0: Um, can you we tell played- me some examples of of the content that was, produced?
1: Yeah. We supported a, um, a web series called "Quarantine, I Love You." Um, that which was I've,
0: which I've seen a couple of trailers on. Oh, cool! Yeah, very impressive cast members. Just <laughs> yes. give, give the audience a sense of some of the actors who are appearing in this web series.
1: Um, we have Allie Wentworth and Dennis O'Hare. And I have to give all the credit to the the writer-director, Nitsa Meger, who's just fantastic. And she's based in New York. Um, and she really just sort of hustled and, and was like, how am I going to start? How am I going to use the medium of our time, which is Zoom, to tell these stories? Um, and we ended up, uh, Mama Film um, was a satellite screen for the Sundance Film Festival this year. So we showed films here locally in Wichita at our drive-in Theater in January, which was cold, but people came, which was great.
0: That's great. Uh, great.
1: And um, we also started a podcast called Feminist Foremothers, which you know examines like three uh, iconic women and whether you know they're sort of their lasting legacy um, and how they fit into pop culture um so we're you know we're just doing different work we just opened back up uh, the cinema back up are showing indie films again for very you know it's a 30 seat cinema so we have 10 seats open right now um we'll see how that goes as the spring goes on but you know it's really it's really fun and it's really meaningful to be able to bring people together around film like even even at the drive-in like you know we were to, apart but together and it was cool so it's nice to be back in the cinema and you know i just hope that When people can go back, you know, I just, I know that there'll be so many other things that we haven't all done, like the ballet and the symphony and the museums and the restaurants and the live music. And so, you know, film is something we have been able to do at home. But I hope that that experience of of going to the cinema and, and watching a film with other people is something that, you know, remains important to
0: people. Um, Before we move on from it, just so what is the uh, the premise of quarantine? I love you. And, and where can listeners find it if they want to check it out? They can watch
1: it. I believe it's quarantine. you.com, but I'm going to check that out.
0: Um, okay. I'm sure they can Google it. Yeah, you
1: can Google it, or you can go to Mama Film, and it's uh, it's available there. Um, but it's just a series of interconnected short stories um, that it's filmed on Zoom um, and then edited together. Um, and it's it's just it really speaks to sort of like what's happening in our in our society. So like we went through like you know starting in, with the pandemic in the beginning of the year or in March or this spring, and then going to you know all the stuff that happened with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter to the election. So uh, it was almost like writing it in real time. It was a real reflection of the time, so it really kind of I think captured 2020 in an interesting moment.
0: Um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see some of the uh, the creative work that comes out of this quarantine experience. I think it'll it'll be the the um, uh, the film equivalent to quarantine babies.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we, we're going to rely on these artists to capture these moments in time, and I also think about you know what if. Um, how are we going to suspend our disbelief, you know, when two people are sitting together in a restaurant, you know, and there's people all around them. And what is it, how is that? How are, how is our perception going to change? Are we going to be able to adapt to what we're like? Are, are movies going to change or are, are, are we going to adapt? Are we all going to, is it going to go back to normal again? Who knows?
0: Yeah. It's funny. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I have found myself, uh, you know, when watching movies, if there's a scene where there's a crowded restaurant or, you know, there's dozens of people crowded at the bar, there's a part of my brain right now that's thinking, Oh my God, those people are so close. I know. How come nobody has a mask on?
1: What are you doing? You idiot. <laughs> I know. And I used to think about this in ter- Like, so I would watch films and think like, you know, older films. And I think like, gosh, imagine if they had cell phones or text messages like how much would those stories change. Yeah. out of the technology that we're that we all use so much now. It's almost it'd be almost impossible right now to like make a film that was set in the present day that didn't involve some sort of technology, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, that's so true and and I I have found that in really all fiction both uh, narrative film uh, but also written fiction and and I find that a lot of creators uh, to get around that are just setting their, their material in another period of time. Exactly. Because exactly. as a, as a viewer or reader, you know, as a consumer, sometimes you're saying, well, they would never do that. They would just send a text. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, there's no such thing as saying, Oh, I waited 20 minutes. Where were you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a, it's an interesting narrative, uh, conundrum. What led you to being so dynamic uh, in supporting filmmakers and sort of coming up for, you know, venues for particular types of filmmakers? What's what's your background and how did you how did you arrive there?
1: You know, I I just, I, that's a great question. Like, I really don't know. And I think I would, a lot of my film festival peers would say we had no clue that we would end up working in the film festival industry. Like, I I don't think there may be a program at some university that's, I think there's one at Emerson about film festival programming, but like, it's not something that, you know, anyone went to school for, but I was just always really interested in like, you know, growing up, I can remember like sitting in my parents' house and like you know watching the video like the the credits and like being like oh i recognize that casting director and blah, blah blah and so when i graduated from high school i moved to la and i just you know started like i was i don't know i just had this calling to go to california I mean, it had nothing to do with the fact that it was the farthest away I could get from my parents, basically. But nothing um, at all. Nothing at all. But I ended up staying there and going to college there and studying radio, TV, film, and um, got an internship and with a talent manager and and met a friend um, who uh, was from Wichita actually, and that's how I ended up here because he started this film festival in Kansas, in Wichita, um, and uh, when he he had been working at the in independent film in. Um, sorry, in, in film festivals, Mm -hmm. uh, in LA and was like, I'm going to move back to Wichita and start a film festival because they need one. And this was 2003. So it was around the time it was like right after Tribeca had started, like there were a lot of festivals that started right around that time. Um, and he, he said to me, do you want to come to Wichita and produce this festival? And I'd never been to Kansas, you know, that was flyover country for me. And so, um, I was like, okay, because I was producing movie trailers at the time and I hated my job. It was very much like a Madison Avenue type, you know, it was that kind of thing, corporate. And so I said, sure. And I quit my job and I came out to Kansas and just kept coming back and then moved here in 2010 to... Uh, Or 2011 to become the ED of this org, which I'm no longer the ED of. But you know, this is where my kids are growing up, so it's strange. Comes home as soon as that that happens, happens. right? But you know, like I have to 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 answer a question about like the supporting filmmakers. Um, I remember the first year that we came out here to Kansas, and it was like opening night of the first film festival, Tallgrass Film Festival. And I remember like all these filmmakers had come in from New York and LA. And we had one two hundred seat theater, and we sold it out. And, the, and like, it was so exciting. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, this is like what it's all about—bringing mm-hmm. these stories to a community. And like, I can still remember that sort of like feeling of just like, oh my gosh, like this could be like something that could really be important for people. Um, Absolutely.
0: And you're proving that it can be done virtually. We all look forward to the time that it can be done at least as a hybrid, Yeah. Uh, you know, because there is something really, uh, there's something special that happens when there's a, a group of people in that darkened room with their attention drawn to the same image on the screen. That's, I think that's undeniable.
1: Oh yeah. It's such a visceral experience. I, you know, I do know like there are festivals in the summertime that are planning, I think Woods Hole is planning to do, um, a uh, hybrid festival, which is great. Um, you know, so really looking forward to, um, that feeling of being, you know, like what you just said.
0: Sure. So, uh, before we wrap up, let film, let our, uh, listeners, many of whom are filmmakers know, where to find more information about the Film Festival Alliance and also uh, Mama Film.
1: Yeah, you can find information about Mama Film at www.mama.film, M-A-M-A. Um, But also, yeah, I wanted to speak specifically to the Alliance and some of the work that we're trying to do centered around filmmakers, because we as festivals know that we couldn't do what we do without filmmakers. I mean, it is a, uh, it's our biggest commodity. And so, you know, we are trying to do the work um, within our organization to create more transparent ways of communicating with filmmakers and more transparent processes and more transparent systems of support, um, be that rev share or data sharing, things like that, you know, ways that we can Ways that we can make it a two way street. It really needs to be a mutually beneficial um, conversation. And we can talk more about that when we speak to um, the group. But that's definitely a focus of some of the work that we're doing. We have a series called The Filmmaker Lounge. And we do this in connection with a company in the UK called Festival Formula. And they do festival strategy for filmmakers. So our, our series is going to be starting in April. And it's a four part series. Um, for this first edition and it's like basically a boot camp for filmmakers. So you're going to come on and hear from different departments like from programming to marketing, you know, to then what do I do with my film? And it's free and we encourage people to attend that and ask questions and we're 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 just constantly looking for ways to partner with organizations like yours um to to create more transparency and to, and to really let filmmakers know there's a like a a group of mission aligned festivals who really care about filmmakers. Um, We're trying to do the right thing and trying to create equitable practices.
0: That's great. And and thank you for the heads up or the reminder that you'll be um, featured in an upcoming Filmmakers Collaborative webinar. And we'll make sure that our members and even our non-members, the general public, get plenty of advance notice on that to um, hear more uh, from you about the organization and how filmmakers partnering with you can benefit. Thank you again for your time. And um, I look forward to uh, hearing more of your webinar when it takes place. Thank you so much for having me.